630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. The Edmonton Oilers closing out their California road trip tonight. Will it be another wild finish? We had crazy endings in L.A. and Anaheim tonight. The Oilers take on the San Jose Sharks. It's an 8.30 start. We'll transition into the City Ford Faceoff show in one hour. We have a shortened edition of Inside Sports. In the meantime, we're going to get to Brian Lawton in a couple of minutes, former NHL player, agent, and general manager, now analyst with the NHL Network. Network. His thoughts on the uh, big winner at the trade de- deadline and what he thought of the Patrick Maroon deal. We'll also welcome aboard in about a half hour, Jelena Mergenovic who uh, will react to the uh, lifting of the combat sports moratorium in Edmonton. And I believe she's also going to have an announcement on the date and location of her 50th career fight. My name is Reed Wilkins. We do have a breaking news story that we just want to flesh out a little bit here. You heard Eileen mention it at the end of her newscast, and I'll bounce back over to Eileen in the newsroom right now. It was jammed in the middle of the weather forecast because that's when word came in. But uh, over at the Lister Conference Centre at the U of A, they've just announced the... uh, leader of the Alberta party. We've been in uh, campaigning mode since November. Third guy in the race, former Edmonton Mayor Stephen Mandel is the new leader of the Alberta party. Uh, During the course of the leadership race, they had seen their membership grow by, I think it was 539%. So they're up to about 6,500 members now. This is the party that claims that it is the centrist party for the province. Uh, Mandel was up against former PCMLA Rick Fraser and a Calgary lawyer, Kara Levis. And uh, again, Stephen Mandel, the new leader for the Alberta party. And uh, Eileen, I just saw uh, one of our counterparts at Global, Tom Vernon, tweeting on Twitter. This is easy for me because it's like giving a scoreboard. Uh, Mandel, 66%, Levis, 18 and Fraser, 16 In you know, sports, we would call that a blowout, see, Eileen. And I was wondering if, if the, Calgary, the two Calgary candidates split the vote. But it looks not well, like it, right? Yeah. If, if Mandel got two-thirds of the votes on his own, then... Yeah, he won pretty easily. Yeah, so congratulations okay. to Stephen Mandel. Thank All right. you. And I assume we'll have more on that on our uh, newscast throughout the evening and, uh, and obviously uh, on our talk shows tomorrow. Along oh. with federal budget coverage. Oh, I, I love that stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, thank I'm, you so much, Reed. Yeah, thankfully Inside Sports wasn't preempted for federal budget coverage. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm... I shouldn't, I shouldn't mock the federal budget. No, no. Politics no, we are important. We shouldn't do that. Uh, if you'd miss the federal budget, the, the one thing that's being affected that we know of for sure is that the cost of cigarettes are going up. Um, the, um, the What else happened? Uh, the deficit, there's no plans for any um, wrap-up to uh, a deficit from happening. And for all the other information about it, and believe me, there is much more, you can just go to 630ched.com. Thank you, Eileen. I wonder what's more exciting to read, Kellen, 
the federal budget or the NHL rule book on goaltender interference? Ooh, that's a toss-up. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I ain't going to find out. No. Because I've read the goalie interference rules enough. Yeah, no kidding, over, right? Over the last year and a half. All right, now my name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, games at 8.30, Sharks and Oilers. We have a lot to get to tonight. Quick look at the scoreboard. Taylor Hall with an assist for the Devils. His personal point streak now at 22 games. Devils and Penguins tied 1-1 early in the second period. Also early in the second period, Capitals up to... 2-0 on the Senators, and the Bruins are trailing the Hurricanes 3-2. Rick Nash, Bo now, uh, oh, sorry, they have two two R. Nashes on this team. Rick Nash with his 19th, Riley Nash with his 11th, but the Hurricanes lead 3-2. In the first period, Panthers up 1-0 on the Maple Leafs. Barkoff has his 21st. Five games still to come tonight. We have the Oilers game on Ched. The Flames will play the Stars. Predators take on the Jets. That game is just getting underway. Predators are here on Thursday night when the Oilers open up a five-game homestand. All right, so the Oilers... Trade deadline, Patrick Maroon, Latestu, Davidson all moved out. A couple of other teams making big deals. To discuss from the NHL Network, it is Brian Lawton. Brian, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing well. The The uh, frenzy of the trade deadline is is behind us. You know, when I when I knew I was going to have you on the show tonight, well, I, I said I got to check Brian's trade record, and you were never uh, on the move at the deadline, but then one date struck me brian you were traded on boxing day in in 1998 i don't know if that's a preferable time of year uh, during the christmas new year's season for a guy to be moved what was what was that all about that was a strange one i was playing for the new york rangers and uh i remember that morning i saw phil esposito having breakfast breakfast with don maloney and i thought oh my goodness don got traded and then sure enough, uh, Phil wanted to meet with me after John to let me know I'd been traded too. So it really destroyed my Christmas. I had bought about 3500 bucks worth of Rangers stuff and given it out to my family. And then, of course, I was playing for the Hartford Whalers next thing you know. So it was kind of a funny time. Oh, my goodness. So you, you're so generous. And <laughs> I guess they were probably re-gifted all that stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> I tried to take it all back. Those darn <laughs> Rangers, they wouldn't take it back, though. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, those, those are the funny stories. In, as far as trade deadlines, I was crushed when I was in San Jose. I was almost traded after my first year there. I was uh, so excited. We didn't have a very good team. I played on the inaugural team in 92-93, and unfortunately, it never happened. But uh, the general manager at the time, Jack Ferrar, had put me on notice that I might be headed to Winnipeg, and it just never happened. I was absolutely crushed. Oh, geez, that's interesting. So you were you were you were hoping you'd get a new home and maybe get in the playoffs? Because yeah, that was a tough year for the Sharks, eh? Just wanted to play in the playoffs. But yeah. it didn't happen. Yeah, Brian Lawton joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Okay, so this year's trade deadline has come and gone. We'll start here from an Edmonton perspective. Uh, you know, Patrick Maroon was obviously one of the names that we anticipated would be moved. Uh, Peter Shirelli said yesterday it, it was a tough market for Patrick. Um, you know, a, obviously a return where you know, a prospect who's low down on the ranks and a third-round pick next year, and that pick might be traded. So who knows what Shirelli's going to do with that. Given some of the other wingers that were out there and uh, Maroon's history in the NHL, one big year but some inconsistency otherwise, what did you think of the return for, for uh, Maroon? Uh, you know what? Peter Shirelli's a really good general manager. I just think it happens sometimes. It's not the return 
I'm certain that he wanted or he might have even expected. Uh, but that's the way it goes. You know, Michael Grabner got a got a better return. Obviously, Rick Nash, another guy that was somewhat comparable, not necessarily apples to apples, but similar numbers at least. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, it makes no sense because you'll see guys occasionally when they don't get what they want, they'll sit on them. They won't move them. In this case, Peter chose, even though he probably wasn't getting what he wanted, to move Patrick Maroon. I think it was a good decision for the club and you just move on. Yeah, well, it sounded like it, it happened last minute. And you've been in that GM's chair, right, where you probably feel like, how long am I going to wait? You're always kind of weighing the, the risk-reward, I suppose, uh, of, of waiting to do, to do a deal or not do a deal. Yeah, exactly. And I'm certain that happened for uh, a lot of teams yesterday, quite frankly. You know, it was a really interesting day. Um, the Ryan McDonough deal was fascinating. I think there's a lot of teams that missed the boat that should have been involved in that. I don't think they uh, believed that he would necessarily move for that type of return. And it wasn't a terrible return for the New York Rangers. But the sense that I got in talking to many general managers yesterday was they expected it to be a lot more. And uh, Steve Eiserman did a magnificent job of playing that one just beautifully, closing it out at the 11th hour and really not giving up that much, certainly not a lot that's going to hurt their chances in a playoff run. So because of that, does does that make Tampa Bay the, the big winner for you yesterday, Brian? I mean, I certainly like Winnipeg bringing in Stastny. I think that adds uh, you know a really good player to already a tough roster. Who, who do you look at and give the big thumbs up for their work yesterday? Well, you have to give it to Tampa Bay, in my opinion, adding a guy like Ryan McDonough and not giving up really much off your roster. Uh, Nemesnikov is a good player. I think they can replace him with J.T. Miller, who was in the same trade. And then you bring in a guy like Ryan McDonough that instantly can carry a different pair than Victor Hedman will be carrying. And, boy, you look pretty formidable right now. The Tampa Bay Lightning, I thought, were excellent. In a strange way, I think the New York Rangers did very well for themselves through this deadline as well. Uh, And, uh, you know, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because it wasn't a huge return. But I like the way they committed to a plan and they followed through with it. They didn't wait around. It would have been easy to shut it down and not move McDonough. They did. They know where they're headed. They moved Rick Nash. They moved Holden out. They moved Grabner out. I like the totality of what they were able to accomplish. And I like the boldness in just standing up and acknowledging that, hey, we're nowhere near where we want to be. We're on the wrong path. We're going to have to climb the tallest tree, take a look around and say, wrong jungle, fellas. We're going in a different direction. Brian Lawton from the NHL Network joining us on Inside Sports, former NHL player, manager, and agent. So so you've worn a lot of different hats that give you a lot of interesting perspectives towards the trade deadline and now how the season is going to play out. Obviously, the Oilers uh, uh, need a miracle. They pretty much have to go undefeated to make the playoffs, so I don't think that's happening. They have played better lately, and uh, we'll see how a guy like Aberg fits in and, and maybe a couple call-ups play what, how do you view the 20 games for a team that's 20 games remaining for a team that's well out of it, Brian? In your experience, is, is it truly garbage time where you don't pay too much attention to anything? Do you think that growth or good performances can carry over into next season? How, how do you look at that? Uh, it's absolutely not garbage time, and you absolutely want to pay closer attention through these last 20 games. 
uh, it's critical to find out what you got. The biggest mistake that organizations make is they don't evaluate their own talent as fairly and arbitrarily as they should. And that's what leads to bigger and worse mistakes. That's critical for the Edmonton Oilers. They need to figure out exactly what they got, and that's going to help them determine the course of action. Uh, they're going to have to be a little bit bold, in my opinion, this summer to get back on track. They still have wonderful pieces to build around. You've got a one-two punch that's as good as anybody else's in the National Hockey League, and that's no disrespect to Malkin and Crosby. But when you got McDavid and Dreisaitl, there's a lot to start with right there. We had it when I was in Tampa. It wasn't that strength down the middle. It was Hedman and Samkos. And you look what the Lightning have been able to accomplish just building off of that. That's the trail that the Edmonton Oilers need to get on. And I think the evaluation portion needs to continue right to the very last minute of the regular season. All right, Brian, we, we started with a bit of a memory from your career. I want to close with one as well. Uh, I read that prior to the Oilers' Yessi Pugliarvi, you were the only NHL player to ever wear the number 98, though I don't think you stuck with it. How come? Uh, wearing 98 back then, nowadays numbers are accepted, and I think it's wonderful that Yessi Pugliarvi is wearing it. But an era, an era that had a legendary Wayne Gretzky, even when he was playing, it was perceived as a negative event. I did not like it. It was a mistake on my part to ever accept it. And I was happy to change it, to be honest with you. Um, Wayne was just so far ahead of everybody else. Numbers were not all over the board. You had Wayne and Mario, Yager, uh, not too many guys wearing big numbers. So that itself was an anomaly. And uh, I never should have worn it. Uh, and I was happy to change it. Okay, interesting. All right. So did you pick it, or was it thrust on you? Uh, you know what? I have to take responsibility for it. In the end, I wanted to be number nine when I was selected by the North Stars. That was the number I wore all my life. That was the number I loved because of so many great players, starting with Mr. Hockey. Uh, but when I went to the Minnesota North Stars, the year I was drafted, Dennis Marouk was traded there. Dennis was also wanted to wear number nine. He was a veteran in the league scored 60 goals twice and he deserved to have it ahead of me um that was the number that was suggested to me i took it uh it was a mistake and i was happy to change it relatively quickly okay Wayne, to his credit was always incredibly gracious to me and that's no surprise to anybody that knows wayne um but it was a different era back then nowadays you know, go ahead and go for it. You want to wear 311, and we might see that one day on somebody <laughs> if we can fit it on a jersey. Yeah, so, or somebody just might wear the pie symbol. I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> Brian, yeah. Brian right. thank, thanks for checking in tonight. It's always great to have you on the show. I hope we can do this again soon, man. Have a great night. My pleasure. Anytime. That is Brian Lawton from NHL Network joining us on Inside Sports. High praise for the Tampa Bay Rangers deal. He says that's one that will help both teams moving along here. Obviously, more immediate help for the Lightning, one of the uh, top favorites to win the Stanley Cup. It is 6:21. Oilers and Sharks will have the faceoff show at 7, game at 8:30. We'll check in with champion boxer Jelena Mergenovic after the 6:30 news. Her 50th fight coming up can be in Edmonton because the combat sports more has been lifted. We're coming right back. 
You can always text 63630, the big L, one of the more amusing textures. He says, Pay Reed, pretty excited about tonight's game. Going out for dinner. Hope to be back in time to enjoy the game before 1940 of the third period. <laughs> yeah, you pretty much just could have watched the last 21 seconds the last two games. And a great overtime and shootout against Anaheim on Sunday. Man, two wild ones on the weekend. The Oilers have now uh, won three in a row, four of their last five on the heels of that crushing six-game losing streak. I don't know what to expect with this team, but I can tell you Pontus Aberg will make his Oiler debut tonight. And, of course, he got to be known by a lot of people for making a splash in the playoffs last year with Nashville. When I got called out for the playoffs, I didn't know what to expect. And then I uh, started off in a third or fourth liner. And then uh, some guys get injured, opened up a spot for me to play with the top line. And and then I felt like I had nothing to lose. I, could, I couldn't lose my spot because I didn't have enough guys. And I just went out with a play there and uh, didn't think about it. And uh, played, played offensively. I wanted to play and try, try to contribute like that. And like, uh, this year. I actually don't know. It's been feeling pretty good in the games, but I just haven't been able to uh, get the points that I wanted and the team wanted and the staff. So, uh, and turn up like that, and uh, it's, it's hard as well when you, you play one game, play seven minutes, and the next game you play 12, and you play on the first line when some guys out, and then you get back to third or fourth. And it's a, it's a tough spot, but I mean you gotta find a way to. Uh, to play that as well, but I, I, I didn't, didn't really do it. didn't happen for me. Pontus Aberg will wear number 46 for your Edmonton Oilers. They've also called up Ethan Bear from the farm. Don't expect him to play tonight, but we could see him before the end of the week. Chris Russell's going to be a game-time decision. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. It's been an ongoing story in Edmonton, in the combat sports community. The uh, moratorium on combative sports event. This uh, followed uh, the uh, passing of Tim Haig, who uh, died in hospital last June, two days after losing a match to Adam Braidwood. Of course, a former Edmonton Eskimo. Haig uh, was... Uh, 34 died following brain surgery after being knocked down five times in the ring. So this is throwing uh, boxing, combat sports, uh, MMA, all that stuff under the microscope. Here in Edmonton, City Council decided to have a moratorium on combative sports event, and that threw uh, things into disarray for a lot of people who make a living in that sport. But today, City Council voted to lift that moratorium. And for a reaction on that, we bring in champion boxer Jelena Mergenovic. Jelena, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Great, how's it going? Good. Thanks for delaying your uh, workout to come on Inside Sports. I'm really, I'm really honored. <laughs> hey, no problem, no problem. You know, this has been uh, something that everybody has been supporting us and, and reporting on. So, uh, you know, I appreciate that you guys are reporting on the fact that it's finally come to a close and we can get on with uh, making a living and uh, continue our career. I, I know it was a tough situation for you because, like you said, you wanted to get on with making a living, but but there was tragic circumstances uh, surrounding this. How, how did you sort of balance those two sides of it moving through this? You know, this was an extremely unfortunate incident that happened and that, that we as the community and the combative sports community and the boxing community, not only in Emerson but around the world, I was, I was saying this earlier, um, 
I went to a WBC convention in uh, October after this uh, happened here in June, and and Tim, along with a lot of other, um, unfortunately, fallen people from our community, um, were were honored and tributed. So, um, you know, unfortunately, it's happened in our community, but this is something that happens around the world, and we always, every time, out try and ensure the safety of all the fighters. I know for myself personally, um, I do. I come in the best shape possible because we all understand and acknowledge the risk every time that we get in that ring. I know this was important for you because if you didn't defend your belt before July 1st, I think that was the date, it, it would be taken away because it would be one year uh, since, since you won your last bu- uh, f- uh, fight. And obviously you wanted to have your 50th fight, your next one in Edmonton. Can you shed any light on uh, the circumstances of your 50th fight? Um, for me, absolutely. This was important. I was fighting regardless somewhere. Um, I was. I have been looking forward to this 50th bout being in Edmonton for the last two years and the last two fights. Um, you know, so moving forward, we are extremely excited to announce that we will be fighting here in Edmonton April 28th at the Shaw Conference Center. Um, the tickets and tables will go on sale um, Monday. Um, and so you can check us out on uh, KO Boxing website. We will also have tickets available at Chance Boxing Studio at the front desk and also on Eventbrite. So I'm extremely proud and excited to be returning back home to Edmonton um, for the first time. And like I fought here, I, I think once in, in three years was, was the stat I've had. So I've had some, some a few tough roads, and I'm excited to be able to come home and have this milestone event in front of uh, the people who have supported me and, and helped me along my career and basically helped me start my career here. Well, that's awesome. So April 28th, Shaw Conference Center. Tickets on sale Monday through KO yes. Boxing or at Champs Boxing Studio right on 109th or on there. event, right, yep. Okay. So do you, who are you fighting? Do you know? Well, that's something that we have to work on. Um, as you know, we can't expect everybody else in the world to wait on our city to lift a combative sports ban. So we had had an opponent lined up for March, beginning of March. You know, now that we're fighting uh, almost two months later, we're fighting almost in May, um, we have to now contact. Uh, you know, it was a little bit embarrassing that we had to keep going, keep going back and contacting their people, and we looked like a bunch of amateurs out there. When in fact we've been uh, a leader in the community for a very, very long time, so um, it was a little bit embarrassing. So we thought we would wait until this more time was lifted before we secured our opponent. Okay, so we'll wait for that announcement as well. Now, will both the WBC and Absolutely. W both WBC every, and every WBA belts? Fight, okay. I feel as a world champion, every time you fight, you should put both straps up, and and you know if you're going to lose, you, should, you aren't you aren't. Uh, you shouldn't be a world champion. So um, for me, every time I fight, every both titles will always be up. Okay. Well, that's exciting. Well, we look forward to talking more uh, about this. I, I know this is going to be now an intense, I guess, almost exactly uh, two months of training. So uh, we'll have you on the show, obviously, I'm sure several times leading up to that. And when you announce your opponent and more details, well, that's cool. Tickets are already b- going to be available on Monday. Jolene, I know you, I know you got to get to work. Thank you so much for coming on oh, tonight. Exciting and- news. And, Reed, I want to thank you and the whole team there for supporting us throughout this battle and trying to bring more knowledge to the community. Um, 
about uh, combative sports and, and really how safe we try and make it um, and and how this is an ongoing procedure um, and, and every time there'll be different things that we will develop to make it a safer sport. So I want to thank you and the community for, for being patient with us. Right on, Jelena. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great night. Thanks. You too. That is Jelena Mergenovich checking in tonight. So there you have it. That's what she wanted, and it is going to happen. Fight number 50 in Edmonton on April 28th at the Shaw Conference Centre. Still working on an opponent. Uh, Jelena's last two fights were in France. Uh, The last time she fought was July 1st, 2017. Stephanie Ducatel. It actually wound up in a draw, so Jelena May, uh, she retained her two belts uh, she won in France in October of 2016. She, her last fight in Edmonton was at the Shaw, March of 2016. She, uh, she won that one. She did have a defeat back on August 1st, 2015. That uh, fight was in Argentina, and then she had a rematch against uh, that fighter uh, at the Shaw in March of 2016 and got her belts back. So e- exciting stuff for Jelena. Certainly you hope still that uh, I know there's still, there are still things to iron out with combat sports uh, in the province, but I think we're moving here to having a, a provincial body in, in charge of that, which will certainly help. All right, it is 6.40. It's Inside Sports on 6.30, Shed. want to remind you that some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, now open Wednesdays. Don't miss the five-course, five-bench creek brewing beer dinner. That's on March 5th. Tickets are just 50 bucks. You can get more details at northchickenyeg.com, and you can say hello by visiting them, 124th Street, 107th Avenue. Oilers have a game against the Sharks tonight. Coming up at 8.30, we'll have the face-off show at 7. Peter Shirelli spoke to Bob Stoffer today. We'll have that interview when we get back. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Talbot in goal tonight. Martin Jones for the Sharks. Furnace Family Oilers Hockey will start in about 20 minutes here on 630 Chet. Edmonton's Furnace Replacement Experts. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. 8.30. Game start. Oilers at Sharks. Third of four meetings this season. The Edmonton Oil Kings had their hockey hooky game started this morning at Rogers Place. Medicine Hat won 5-2. In the NHL, Taylor Hall just keeps flying for the Devils. A goal and an assist. Devils and Penguins are tied 2-2 after 2. Hall with a 22-game point streak. Hurricanes and Bruins 3-3 after 2. Early in the second period, Panthers lead the Maple Leafs 2-1. Late in the first, Wilder up 3-1 on the Blues. Capitals leading Ottawa 3-1. That is after two periods. Jets and Preds no score after the first. And about six minutes into the game in Dallas, Flames and Stars are scoreless. Another later game tonight, Kings at the Golden Knights. All right, Davidson, Latestu, Maroon, the players shipped out by the Oilers before the trade deadline. Pontus Aberg acquired. He joins the Oilers and will play tonight. Bob Stoffer spoke to General Manager Peter Shirelli. First of all, uh, are you happy it's over, given the amount of work that goes into it before it actually all comes to fruition? Yes, it's always a, a stressful time, Bob, uh, for a lot of parties involved. Um, a lot of work on our end, um, a lot of, uh, you know, like it's it's kind of labor intensive work because you're one, you're 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 going through your lists on your on your potential prospects, on your potential uh, acquisitions, and then the other side of it is 
kind of gauging where the market is, gauging where guys are, uh, other teams are, and uh, all the while you're marshalling your scouts and 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 obviously keeping an eye on the, the big team. So it's a it's a it's a stressful time, uh, but it, it's an important time. All right. Well, you made three moves. Um... So I, I think uh, we'll, we'll kind of work in reverse order. We'll, we'll start with the move that happened yesterday, the Patrick Maroon trade. Um, and I, I, you know, when I saw the Thomas Vanek return from Vancouver, my response was, "Uh-oh, there might not be much of a market there." And, and I guess on that note, was it a buyer's market? And did the sequencing of events uh, maybe? you know, give us a recognition that the return was not going to be as significant as some people were hoping for in terms of uh, draft picks and assets and those sort of things. Well, I know I know a lot of people are disappointed with, with what we received in that trade. Um, it was it was a, a, a fairly uh, dry market from, from kind of the get-go, Bob. Um, there were... Um, there were a number of, of factors involved. Um, uh, one of them was the number of uh, you know, players, not just rentals, but other players that were on the market. Uh, two, um, what what kind of big rental deals have happened and what the prices were paid for those. For example, the Hansel deal and some, there's some other deals in the last couple of years didn't really reap any benefits. There's, uh, three, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, we received one offer, one offer, and it and it was trending that way for two or three days. Um, and uh, so, I, I, it's tough. It's tough to control the market. In fact, it's impossible. Um, and and you had to you had to take what you could get. And I got that offer, Bob, with about five minutes left before the deadline. So um, it was it was very tough sledding the. Uh, uh, you know, basically the, the the supply exceeded the demand, and you know what? At the end of the day, uh, you know, Pat hadn't played in a while and and had been playing hurt, and and we had a lot of teams following us, um, and I thought we got good yeah. return for the test too, and he, he he actually played fine. Um, so they these these guys are sharp scouts. Well, and, you know, I mean, I, I saw him, and I mentioned him to the listeners on a daily basis, Tampa Bay, Toronto, uh, Winnipeg. These were the sort of teams that were bird-dogging Peter in the last three weeks, and Patrick's flight tailed off. And, you know, it's and I, I guess that's kind of a byproduct of what we end up with the end result. Were you, if I had told you, say, two months ago that you would have gotten more for Latestu than for Maroon in terms of Pontiac, uh, would that have surprised you at that time? Um, how long ago? Two months ago? Yeah, two to three months ago. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, it, it, you know, it. Uh, those players, uh, those two players, teams called uh, a fair amount on, um, and uh, you know, right shot centers with face off and versatility like like Mark were were. Uh, I wouldn't say coveted, Bob, but they were. You know, there was. There was more than a few teams, like five or six teams that were in on there. But, you know, at the same time, even there, I hadn't received an offer, and we felt good about Aberg, so we, we, we proceeded on it. Uh, Peter Sorelli joining us, Oilers President and General Manager of Hockey Operations, Bob Stoppard, Oilers now. Peter, what can you tell us about Pontus Aberg? What do the pro scouts say? 
Uh, and when you were in Boston, uh, was this a, a player that you guys uh, looked at? He went the second round of the uh, 2012 draft, and I believe that was the year uh, the Oilers took uh, Mitch Moraz. But just uh, a, a thought on Aberg, if you could. Yeah, yeah, he was he was in that range with us, um, and uh, he's you know he's uh, he's a bit of a slow starter wherever he's been. Um, good offensive mind, good speed, um, decent size. He's six feet, one eighty-five. Um, uh, he uh, he can play both sides. Um, he's, he's scored a lot um, at the American League level, and he actually had a very strong playoff last year with Nashville. And for whatever reason, and maybe it's just an ex- excess supply of that type of winger on Nashville, or, or maybe a better, uh, more of a need for a you know a kind of a grittier side like the. Uh, uh, you know, so they have some wingers that are kind of a little more sandpaper. He's not soft by any means. Um, if you look back at his uh, his playoff performance last year, leading up to the finals, uh, he scored some timely goals, made some very good plays, got a pretty good one timer. Um, he's just, you know, the opportunity has been there, and that, you know, like when you hear that about a player, you, you question why hasn't that. Why isn't he seized an opportunity? So uh, there's still a little bit of a question mark on him, but we like the speed, we like the skill, and and we like to compete in the in the package. Uh, Brandon Davidson, uh, you got a turnaround draft choice for a guy you claimed off waivers, and Brandon's a good person, he's a good guy, but I, I'd say most fans would suggest that's a pretty decent return and good asset management. Um, had you been in long talks with Garth Snow and the Islanders on Brandon Davidson? Um, There'd been, yeah, there'd been, um, there'd been talks like Brandon. Brandon and I had a few teams talking on about him on uh, for for depth, and um, you know, Brandon had another year of restricted free agency, and and uh, we, uh, we 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 talked about signing him, and and um, and we, we we spoke with with Brandon's representative about it, and at the end of the day, we felt the return was good. Um, and we felt we had to act on it at that point. Uh, so the team's in the position that they're in. I, I'm sure at the start of the year, certainly all of the experts and guys that think of themselves as experts or think that they might have a hat, never saw the Oilers being in this position. Uh, but you're, you're in it. Uh, it doesn't mean that the final 20 games of the, of the season are meaningless, are they? There's a lot to evaluate here down the stretch. No, no, no. We're, this is, I mean... Well, this is evaluation time for us, Bob, and and um, we're um, um, we're actually bringing up Ethan Bear too. He'll be he'll be called up later today. Uh, we'll have a look at him, um, um, and and we're looking at the whole the whole package. We're looking at the, the new players. We're looking at kind of the expanded roles of the other players and 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 kind of the current players how they fit in and 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 uh, and, and and you know we're looking at. Um, uh, the systems we're looking at the special teams. This is a this is a period of evaluation that we take very seriously. Some people call it garbage time, and you got to be careful to evaluate stuff in garbage time. Well, it's how you evaluate and how you how you um, make people accountable for it for the rest of the way, and, and we're certainly going to do that. Will there be an emphasis moving forward on acquisition of uh, more speed up front, given the direction that the game has gone, Peter? Well, um, yes, and that's what I say going into the trade deadline, um, and we'll continue to look at that, and also speed on the back end, uh, speed and passing, speed and puck moving. 
for a guy like a Clefbaum, and I'm sure I, I'm not going to ask you to divulge too much, but there's tremendous interest in a player like that. How do you how do you weigh a guy having a you know a really good player that's having a tough year that's got a terrific contract and. Uh, because I mean, he's capable of playing 22 minutes a game. He's played better the last couple of weeks. But I'm sure there's individuals out there, your peers, that were trying to procure him uh, from this organization. Well, they they were on a lot of guys, and it's and it's um, like on the poachers, I call them, and and it, it, it's you know it's it's done in a respectful way. But you know, when things are down, it's like you got to be careful of how you react in some of these players because. Um, you know, because uh, you, you don't want to sell low, um, and and Clef can be in one of those right now. And, and there's certainly more than one in the course of the last two weeks. Guys have called on, and and uh, you know, so just that, that was part about not blowing it up. I mean, I you know, I that never entered our minds as far as this, this thing. We feel that there's things that we can add and tweak a little bit, and, and uh, we'll be right back where we were. All right, that's Peter Shirelli speaking with Bob Stoffer. Bob's going to join me after the 7 o'clock news for the City Fort Faceoff Show. It's the Oilers and the San Jose Sharks. Your Oilers update for Nisku Ford. Every model on sale every day. Nisku Ford above expectations. Pontus Aberg, his Oilers debut. Zach Cassian not expected to play after getting injured the other night against Anaheim. Chris Russell, a game-time decision on the back end. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of Inside Sports, Kellen Kennedy, the studio producer, coming right back with the Faceoff Show. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.